It's a great day to live for Jesus. This is the In the Word podcast with Pastor Mike Grover, a chapter-by-chapter devotional journey through the New Testament where we will browse the background, discover the doctrine, and practice the principles of God's Word for us today. In the Word today, we're over in Mark chapter number 7, and what we're going to look at today is tradition or truth. Tradition or truth. Tradition and truth. How does tradition relate to truth? Now, tradition can be a very good thing. I think there's a lot of traditions that people have that are very good. So tradition in itself is not a bad thing at all. The problem becomes with how we elevate tradition. And if we elevate tradition to the place of truth or God's word, then tradition becomes um, a bad thing. And that's really what Jesus is dealing with here in Mark chapter 7 as he's confronted once again by his old buddies, um, the scribes and the Pharisees. So I'm going to begin reading in Mark chapter 7 and verse 1. It says, Then came together to him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defile, that is to say, with unwashen hands, they found fault. Now there's the problem right here. They were finding fault. Verse 3, for the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands often, do not eat, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they do not, uh, they do not eat. And many other things there be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups, pots, brazen vessels, tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders? But they eat bread with unwashing hands. He answered and said to them, Well has Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups, and many other such like things you do. And he said to them, Full well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your own tradition. So here's Jesus being judged by the scribes and the Pharisees once again, and we saw this theme all throughout the Gospel of Matthew. As a matter of fact, our passage today is paralleled in Matthew chapter number 15. And we see here these scribes and Pharisees came all the way from Jerusalem to Galilee where Jesus was just to kind of criticize him, just to find fault with him, a hundred miles. And they weren't just going around the corner. They didn't just happen to pass by and see something and give an opinion. Man, they were out looking for problems. They were looking for troubles. Hey, man, you go a hundred miles to find fault with someone. There's some real deep-seated issues there, right? So this is what Jesus is dealing with. Well, the issue really centers around what we see in verses 1 through 5, and that's their, their custom and their criticism. So the custom was washing hands. You see, the tradition of the elders was that if you didn't wash your hands, you shouldn't eat. Now, washing your hands is a good thing. I, I, base, I definitely uh, recommend washing your hands often, especially right now with COVID running around, or really any time. So there was no problem with washing their hands, but what they did is they made it religious. There's good traditions that we can have that can affect so many areas of our life. It can affect family, 
It can affect church customs. It can affect national identity. There's a lot of traditions we can have that are good things, and I hold many of them. But I have to make sure that I don't let religion enter into decisions or to take those traditions and customs and somehow make them religious. See, the idea was they took a good thing that you should wash your hands after you've been around a lot of people. If you go into the market, you come home, you're going to eat. You ought to wash your hands because of germs, things like that. I mean, we would all agree with that. But they took it a step further. They weren't washing their hands because of germs. They were washing their hands because they viewed the average person as not as good as them. And they felt like somehow they were ceremonially unclean once they'd been around people in the market that maybe didn't hold all the commandments that they did. Maybe they didn't have the, the standards that they had. So what they would do is they would wash their hands. And some of the traditions that were given, by the way, that wasn't a biblical tradition, it was a tradition of the elders, it was customs. And some of those customs went as far as to say, you know, if you didn't wash your hands and you offered a prayer, well, the prayer became defiled. And so the custom that led to the criticism was that his disciples were not washing their hands before they eat. And here's the principle, and let this really sink in. This is important for us to get. All good things are not God things. All good things are not necessarily God things. There's good things that you may like. There's good things you may do. There's good things that you may enjoy. But when you attach spiritual value to those things and you make them God things, now, don't get me wrong. We should consider God in all the things that we do. But if I take my custom and I try to elevate it to being equal with a commandment of God, what I have done then is I've actually, he said here in verse 8, I've actually laid aside the commandment of God by my traditions. You see, washing their hands, it wasn't about COVID. It was about criticism. Um, verse 2 says they found fault. So that the issue we're dealing with here in the tradition versus truth was their custom and criticism of these scribes and Pharisees based around the traditions. We could go in so many directions on this. I think there's so many traditions that have found their way into people's minds as truth rather than a good thing. They've made it a God thing. And there's a real problem with that. Jesus had problems with that. The next thing I want you to notice in verses 6 through 9 is the correction of, of Jesus, the correction of Scripture. So he answered in verse 6, and he said to them, Well has Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. How does Jesus answer their custom? I love it. He answered it with Scripture. How do we answer tradition? Scripture. We prioritize Scripture. So they're going after Jesus with their custom. They're going after Jesus with their tradition. They're trying to judge him according to, you know, the way they've always done it versus what the Bible says. And Jesus simply says, it is written. Man, you can never go wrong when you lay your authority on the scripture. You never go wrong when you prioritize God's word. And he begins to quote an Old Testament prophet, Isaiah, to them. And Isaiah said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And, and by the way, we're going to see in a minute, it's all about the heart here. It's a heart issue. And then he said this, 
In vain they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So when we have a church or a worship that's built around tradition and custom, and we hold those customs and traditions as sacred to where we are willing to separate over them, we are willing to criticize over them, um, we are willing to hold back service or any good thing because of them. Well, then what we have done is we have We've taken something that's been designed for true worship, and Jesus says, in vain they do worship me. And what would vain worship be? It would be worship that's void of result. In other words, it's worship that doesn't get past the ceiling. It's worship that doesn't touch the heart of God. It's worship that doesn't enter into the throne room. And it's interesting because it's not bad things that is doing this. It's good things that people made God things, and they weren't God things. So we see that here. And so we see this correction of scripture or truth. And Jesus just does what we all should do. You see, tradition can hold heavy weight, but it should never hold the weight of biblical conviction. It's like someone may ask me and say, are you conservative or are you liberal? And I would answer, yes. You're liberal? Maybe I need to be more liberal. But I thought you were conservative. Well, maybe I need to be more conservative. Well, what determines whether I'm liberal or conservative? Well, of course, Fox News, dummy. Don't you know that? No, I'm just kidding. CNN, no. Where's the Bible on the issue? If I find myself moving too far to the right of the Scripture, then I need to move a little further to the left. If I find myself moving too far to the left of Scripture, then I need to move further to the right. You see, my guide is not being conservative for conservative's sake. My guide is the Scripture. And my goal is to align my heart and my life with thus saith the Lord, not what thus saith tradition. So we see their custom, we see Jesus's correction, and then we see his calling to understanding. Look down in verse 14. It says, And when he had called all the people to him, he said to them, Hearken unto me, listen to me, every one of you, and understand. So Jesus gathers the people together, and what does he want them to have more than anything else? Not a bunch of traditions, not a bunch of ceremonies, understanding. He said, listen to me, understand. And I think the, if the Pharisees and scribes had come to Jesus to gain understanding, man, what a great place they would be. But they weren't looking for understanding. They were looking for verification of their opinions. And when they didn't get the verification of their opinions, what did they do? They, they turned against Jesus. So what does Jesus do? He says, listen to me. I want you to understand. Look at verse 15. There's nothing from outside a man that enters into him that can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile him. And if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was entered in the house from the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. Now his disciples want to know a more detailed explanation. Verse 18. He said to them, Are you so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever thing from from outside that enters into a man, it can't defile him because it enters not into his heart, but into his belly. And it goes out of the draught, goes out at the bathroom, and it purging all the meats. And he said, that which comes out of a man, that defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adultery, fornication, murder, theft, covetousness, and he lists all these things. Now, what is he saying there? Is he saying it's okay to do anything we want because if it comes from outside, it's okay? I made a statement in my sermon this past Sunday morning. I said, you know what I did when I got saved? I was using an application. I said, I quit getting drunk. 
And I said, I quit getting drunk because Jesus doesn't want me to be drunk. Now, people could argue over saying, well, you know, I don't get drunk. I just have a little wine or whatever like that. Well, well, here's the real issue. If I drank alcohol and it did not create in me evil behaviors, um, cussing, slurring, immorality, all those other things, it would have been just like drinking water. See, the problem wasn't alcohol going into me. The problem was what the alcohol does to me. That's where God has different prohibitions on things. It's because of what it does in our heart. Now, if I drink a glass of water and it comes in me and it goes out of me, I mean, if I eat food with unwashing hands, I mean, it may make me sick and physically, but does it make me mean? Does it make me evil? Does it make me an adulterer? Does it make me a fornicator? Does it make me steal? Does it make me covetous? Does it make me... What is the effect it has on you? See, that's what Jesus is saying here. How does it affect you? Um, if it's not the thing that's the problem, then what is it? It's the effect that's the problem. Take people in your life. You may have some friends in your life that are not Christians. You may have friends in your life that, man, they do not behave the way you behave. And you want to be their friend, and you love them, and you like spending time with them, and you want to be an influence to them. Well, is that wrong? It depends. What effect do they have on you? When you're around them, what comes out of your life? Do you become hateful? Do you become mean? You know, do you become jealous? Do you become covetousness? You see, that's what you have to decide. How about events you go to? How about ho hobbies that you have? Do your hobbies make you unfaithful? Do your hobbies make you um, lax towards sinful behavior? Um, how about your entertainment? So you're watching a movie on TV or at the movies, and maybe it has something in it that, oh, and I wish that scene wasn't there. How does it affect you? What behavior does it bring out of you? See, Jesus wasn't saying that anything we do is okay. He's saying we have to measure our behaviors by the effect it generates within us. See, the Pharisees, they just simply said, here's a tradition. Don't do this. If you do this particular thing, it's completely wrong. Jesus said, no, that's not how it works. Now, don't misunderstand me. There are very clear black and white commandments of Scripture that there's no room for error, period. But what about what we would call the gray area? What about those things in life which are so many that maybe we do not have a clear command? Well, don't invent a command that's not there. But what you do need to do is be honest about the impact it has on you. So here's the word for today. Be honest with the effect things have on you. And always, always, always prioritize pleasing God over pleasing men or pleasing yourself. You never go wrong when you're pleasing God. Thank you for listening today to In the Word. Join us every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes as we continue our devotional journey through the New Testament.